today on Fuzzy Logic. We're talking food comas and hangovers. That's what's coming up to prepare you for the silly season of stuffing yourself that's up ahead. All that coming up today, right here on Fuzzy Logic. Good morning, Canberra, and welcome to Fuzzy Logic, your science on a Sunday. My name is Broderick, and it's a pleasure to have you with me as we make our way from the country of Ireland into the world of science. Very exciting times ahead. And joining me for that trip today is the magnificent Phoebe. Good morning, Hello, Phoebe. Hello, magnificent. Well, oh, every time the introduction gets a little bit better, and I like it. Hello. Oh, <laughs> It's great to have you in the studio today. Uh, are you hungover or in a food coma? Um, well, last night was a bit of a blur and I'm actually a bit husky now that you mention it. <laughs> i just like the listeners to know that I'm under the desk in the uh, fetal position presently, but I'll carry on. That's right. They do sound like the symptoms of a hangover. Mm. Meanwhile, myself, I'm yawning a lot. Uh, my belly is pot-shaped, um, and <laughs> I am quite full because last night I stuffed myself, uh, and it's uh, it's given me those symptoms of a food coma. You know, mm. I, it was good pre- preparation for the show. You took one half, I took the other half. That's research. And That's our commitment. Exactly, exactly. That is our commitment to the cause, listeners. We are here to showcase it for you. That's right. That's what we are talking about today is food comas and hangovers because these are things that happened during the Christmas season. We all get them. Uh, one or the other, or both. At once. That's really rough. <laughs> it is It is rough if it all happens at once. Uh, but what is going on scientifically? Where do we want to start? Do we want to start with the food coma or the hangover? Mm, let's do food first. Food first? Food all right. and then drink, I suppose. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I love a good scientific term, and the, uh, the scientific term for a food coma is postprandial somnolence. Food coma rolls off the tongue much easier. <laughs> we might stick with food coma. And into the stomach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and actually, I, I learned something researching this. Well, I learned a few things. But one of the, the language... Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. One of the language things I learned was that in the African-American community, they have a term for it, and it's called the itis. Really? Yeah. So I, it's it's not like, you know how itis comes along on the end of what, uh, an infection like or Like tendonitis or, yeah, 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 or arthritis. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is just the itis. This is the itis. Um, the be all and end all. That's right. Food coma, the itis. <laughs> the itis, indeed. Huh. Um, but yeah, describing the exact phenomenon that uh, we call a food coma, and uh, or the scientists call postprandial somnolence, uh, and it's, it's all about eating too much and then wanting to have a nap basically. Hmm. That's what happens. And I completely understand. I, I I remember as a child actually getting confused by this. I don't know whether you did as well, but you'd have your big Christmas uh, lunch, and hmm. then after you finished that, um, then you'd come back to the uh, table, and you'd then have dessert, and you'd just keep eating and eating. And then by the time it was over, you'd be like, yeah, I'm full now. I want to keep doing stuff. Let's do stuff. And all your parents and grandparents would be like, no, no, we're just going to sit in the chair for a little while. And that's because your metabolism was much faster <laughs> then, and you were ready to rock. That and your parents probably were experiencing uh, a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> or a f- food cover, I think, in this case, from that love. Well, yeah, that yeah. or, you know, while you were up waiting for Santa, they were... <laughs> They were they drinking were, with Santa. They were wrapping presents and, and getting ready for the next day. Yeah, The onslaught that is Christmas. <laughs> totally, totally. But, uh, yeah, a food coma. What's going on? Uh, do you know what's going on, Phoebe? Well, I'd always thought that if you ate a lot and a lot and a lot, as I do very often, <laughs> yeah. uh, you get sleepy because I thought it was all the blood sort of flows away from the rest of your body just to your digestive sort of bit to make that make that the focus of your body so that's why you get sleepy because there's no blood circulate not much blood circulating elsewhere well that that, that is true yes there's, there's part- i've got one i'm not ever usually right <laughs> there's part of that that's definitely true um in that you know as we're di- digesting our meal our blood is shunted to the stomach and to our gut transport away all the newly absorbed digested metabolites the good stuff that comes from the food um, and that does leave less blood for the rest of the body and can cause people to feel a bit lightheaded or tired but 
the the body's a bit more sophisticated than that. Uh, you know, we're, we're, it's it's not the only thing that's happening here. Um, if it's not just how much we eat, it's also what we eat too. So wait a minute. So you're saying uh, the blood always flows away to your stomach, even when you've eaten anything like yeah. not just a big meal like it doesn't matter about volume it's always going to be pretty much the same totally totally i mean oh. the, the, the more you eat the more blood will will flow through for sure um but whenever we eat the blood's flowing through because we want to get the nutrients from our food um hmm. you know our stomach's processing it and it's getting rid of the stuff we don't need and keeping the stuff that we do and the easiest way to get that through to the rest of our body is through the blood uh and so that's what it's doing down there. Uh, and certainly when you have a big meal, that, mm. that requires a bit more processing. Uh, but it's not just that that's going on. Um, it, it has to do with uh, what we're eating too. No, you are, you are what you eat. Yeah, I mean, and totally. And if you think about it, more often than not, food comas come from when we eat meals that are meaty, fatty, high in carbs, uh, you know, it's not normally mm. having a giant salad. Uh, that puts you to sleep. <laughs> that puts you to sleep through boredom. Ooh, I'm exactly. sorry, vegetarians. I am sorry. I came up with a theory the other day. I watched my friend who'd ordered a salad for lunch and the amount of effort she had to put into eating it because it just wouldn't stay on her fork. <laughs> I feel like that's why you lose weight eating salads. It's not oh, because it's good for you, but the exercise of actually eating it. Something. Yeah. That's right. Oh, there you go. I think extra chewing as well. Extra chewing, totally, totally. <laughs> but anyway, we're getting distracted onto pseudoscience, and uh, let's get back to real science here. So when we're looking at the meals, um, so uh, the what is causing the effect? Well, I mean, there's a few things. There's the high-carb, high-fat uh, things. When we look at foods that have a high glycemic index, high GI, which means they release sugar into the bloodstream pretty quickly. Um, and you know, often we're discouraged from high GI foods because they give you that quick instant sugar high. Is that like sweets and stuff or is that? That's right. And, and, um, and some uh, high carb foods as well. Um, and what they do is they increase the insulin hormone. Uh, now, insulin is there to promote the absorption and use of glucose from the bloodstream after a meal. Um, but it also, when we have the insulin about, allows entry of a special amino acid called tryptophan into the brain. Hmm, tryptophan. Tryptophan, that's Tryptophan, right. fantastic, tryptophan. <laughs> tryptophan, woo. Um, now, tryptophan's interesting because uh, tryptophan is often found in uh, meats. Uh, and in fact, when Thanksgiving was around, there was a big uh, deal about that on a lot of the American sites saying that uh, the turkey with the tryptophan is what causes you to go to sleep after your big Thanksgiving meal. Turkey revenge. Turkey revenge, that's right. The last little dose of uh, what's going on from the turkey uh, but it was that's like- because they're actually working out an attack like they're like okay uh. we'll release this so everybody falls asleep and then our you know guerrilla force of turkeys will come in and destroy and that's their revenge for eating them ah uh, i see one one year it's gonna happen yeah they're i don't just- think that's that that's not pseudoscience that's <laughs> a thing i'm just gonna take my foil hat off and uh, there we go Tryptophan. Tryptophan. Well, it's not just turkeys that have tryptophan, though. That's mm. the interesting thing. It's actually in all meats. And the, the fact... Oh. This little theory that, that came from the US that it was the tryptophan in Turkey to- causing people to go to sleep is not true. It is, it is the tryptophan, but um, tryptophan is no more in Turkey than it is in any other meat. So, oh. you know... Um, so the same levels in every meat? Like, what if, for example, you had, like, a Tadakan thing where it's, like, a turkey and then it's, like, a chicken in it and then it's, like, a... I was going to say a cow in it, but that's getting... Size-wise, that's going to be confusing. No, so to t- me, that's t- duck, so, and I think a, it's turkey, a, duck, chicken. I, yeah, I know, but you okay. said chicken or beef, so I'm <laughs> going with your examples. Sorry. So what Sorry. about if you had a big slice of to chick beef, huh? To chick beef. To chick beef. It's a thing. Well, it would depend how much meat you're eating. Like, if you're you're still eating the same amount of meat, um, I don't have the exact numbers on tryptophan levels here, but I I think they're all pretty comparable. Uh, So I don't think that would necessarily promote more sleep unless you were eating more meat because it was meat stuffed with meat stuffed with meat. What if you went into a meat frenzy because it was meat stuffed with meat stuffed with meat and you ate the whole thing? 
Th- then, yes, I think you I mean, would that's probably food coma on another level <laughs> because right. of all that well, tryptophan. And you get the meat sweats, too. Do you get the meat sweats? Oh, yes. I'll admit that, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think everyone gets the meat sweats. You know when you go to, like, a rib place? Yeah. And you're like, oh. yeah, I can handle, like, 500 ribs. Who couldn't handle 500 exactly. ribs? And you get 10 in and you just... <laughs> or, you, or you go to... I was in Mount Isa and I had an 800 gram rump steak. No, you didn't. I did. Did you eat the whole thing? I ate the whole <laughs> thing. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. I meat sweats? Meat sweats, totally. Just, 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 yeah. Oh, luckily, it was in the evening, so I basically finished that and went to bed. <laughs> Do they quite... offer you a complimentary sort of wipe your forehead rag at these places? No, they didn't. I was oh. very disappointed. But to be honest, it was just on the menu as though it was almost a normal thing up there. So, you know. Maybe. If it's not listed as may contain meat sweats. Then <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the fact that you got through it is humdrum. Uh, just another day in Mount Isa. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, but there is tryptophan, all types of meats. Um, in fact, it's also in things like cottage cheese and bananas. Really? Yeah, and tofu too. That's interesting because uh, I really love cottage cheese. Like, I'll buy a tub and just eat it with a spoon. Like, I know that's weird, but I mm. love it. Well, I don't ever find that I get really sleepy after cottage cheese. No, and same with... Uh, when I eat bananas. I'm a huge fan of bananas. I'll have two or three a day. Um, really? That's a lot of bananas. Yeah, it's 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 my fruit of choice. Um, Interesting. Do you know, apparently, and I'm getting off track, but I'm going to go there anyway. Yeah. Australians are really, really, really big banana eaters. Like, in a lot of other countries, bananas are sort of like, oh, yeah, whatever, okay. Whereas we're sort of like, oh, no, that's the fruit of choice. That's mm. the one that you'd have with every meal, you know, if you, if you could. And uh, when I was in... The States, we were traveling to Yosemite, the, you know, the national park. Yep. And the tour bus stopped in at a supermarket and uh, every Australian on the bus bought bananas. And the tour guide was saying that he notices this so frequently that if there's any Australians, they always buy bananas. They don't buy pretty much anything else. And, you know, any other nationality doesn't ever buy bananas. And particularly when we had that cyclone and there were no bananas available, when the people were on the tour bus then, they just bought bunches upon bunches of bananas. (laughs) And he didn't know what was going on. It was like, are Australians part monkey? What is happening? (laughs) So there you go. We just we just love we just love bananas, we do. and we love tryptophan. Apparently, we do. Well, yeah. I'm not sure whether it's the tryptophan that we're eating it for. Um, Is it the same levels as me? Because you were saying that you don't feel sleepy if you have three bananas a day. But I mean, in terms of level wise, like for example, one banana wouldn't have the same amount as like a like a chicken leg or something, would it? No, no, probably not. Like you'd and have to eat a fair lot of bananas yeah. to get the same hit as you would eating. Like a chicken breast. Yeah, maybe in the next song I'll do. We'll do some quick research and see if we can find the tryptophan levels mm. of, of different. Or you objects. could make up some horrible meal, which is just bananas and meat. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what did you say the other one was? Uh, cottage cheese. Oh, that sounds revolting. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, but yeah, as we said, they're high in tryptophan. So why is it not causing this drowsiness? Well, it's because of the insulin being triggered by the high carb. Uh, meals, uh, that's what's allowing the tryptophan to um, to en- enter into the brain. That's what's causing that entry to happen. And then in the brain, the tryptophan is converted into another chemical called serotonin, uh, which some of you may have heard of before. It's a signaling chemical uh, basically associated with calmness and drowsiness, hmm. um, especially in children, interestingly. Um, oh, not you at Christmas. Not me at Christmas, because I just run round rampant. Still to uh, this day, I bet. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So consuming that high-protein meal um, with the, the tryptophan in the meats will have... Uh, uh, sorry, consuming a high-protein meal without the carbs mm. will probably have more of a stimulant effect uh, rather than a sleepy one oh. um, because at the you're not getting that um, insulin uh, to help the tryptophan make its way into the brain. Um, the interesting side of this, as part of this, I also found that, you know, how you have warm milk before you go to bed in the evening? No, because oh. I'm not an infant. Well, yes, but as an infant. <laughs> uh, and that's associated with sleepiness too, but that's because it has uh, melatonin in the milk, um, which is a, a natural hormone that regulates our night and day rhythm that can make us sleepy. Why does it have to be warm? I don't know. Huh? Where's the science on that? Huh? Come on. <laughs> warm is relaxing? It's Well, actually, in... in in reality, this is probably why it's best to drink um, unchilled water as well when you're dehydrated because it's closer to your body temperature. I thought that hadn't been proven, though. Oh. Yeah, I thought that was a myth. You know, that if you drink 
chilled water, you're actually making your body work harder because it has to bring the temperature back down so it can absorb it. But I didn't know that that'd been pr- that had been proved or not. Oh, now yeah. you, now you, I'm just quoting, I can't remember where I'm quoting from, to be honest. A Christmas this cracker? Is, maybe. <laughs> One of those maybe. joke, poor jokes with a fact on the back? Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I'd heard that as well, but uh, yeah. I don't know. I think that's interesting. And uh, quite honestly, warm milk is disgusting. Sure, have a hot chocolate or something. Something that disguises the taste of the milk. Like, you can drink milk cold, but not warm. I mean, that's just gross. And I think that dates back to when I was a kid, my grandma would make dinner and she'd like have the table set and everything. And then she'd go back and, you know, start cooking the dinner and whatever. But she'd pour out the kids' glasses of milk while she'd set the table and then go back to make dinner. So in Queensland, by the time we got to the table, the milk was hot, like warm and hot and just... Yeah. A big glass of that with dinner was foul. Maybe she was just trying to get us to fall asleep and go away after dinner. Yeah. By, you know, slipping us some warm milk. <laughs> Potentially. Actually, mm. just uh, slack it in there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And she cooked a lot of roast, so there's that uh, food coma <laughs> thing coming back again. Just getting the kids to, to bed by making them eat the right foods, you know. It's yeah, just that's a... right. But it's 4.30. Go! <laughs> yeah, so, look, they're, they're, that's possibly what's happening to to help you into the food coma um the other side of things of course when you're eating uh there's gut hormones uh, called enterogastrones which are released when we eat to influence that blood flow that we talked about before um and some of these hormones can directly make us sleepy um by influencing the production of serotonin and melatonin um, in our bodies. Mm. Uh, So, again, that's just that high level of food there. So it's potentially a a mix of different things. You know, the high level of food mixed with the high carbs um, and the tryptophan all comes together in a nice little... um, uh, sleep event <laughs> to, to, to get us going. Um, Man, all this talk is making me hungry. Yeah. yeah. So, look, suggestions for balancing it out. Now, you, you don't have to take these on board. I feel like the one time of the year when you don't have to listen to food suggestions mm. is Christmas. You can just ignore everything. Maybe that's why you get Boxing Day as a holiday as well, in case the food comes <laughs> just re- so big. Recover. recover or almost because day. everybody buys too much food at Christmas and then is eating. Like, you know, if you buy a ham and you're eating ham sandwiches for the that's rest the of the week. That's the best part of Christmas is Agreed. a week of ham sandwiches. Agreed. Uh, um, the suggestions for avoiding a food coma. Well, number one, don't overeat. Okay, I mean that. no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, it, it's all about portion size, you know. Allow time for your meal um, to, to digest, for the body's natural hormones, to, uh, for hunger to rise. Um, <laughs> nope. That's the other thing, and though, f- and I'm going to get distracted again. Yeah. You know, as a kid, and you, you know, you're saying, like, you want to run around and do stuff, and, like, the meal's over, and yay, Christmas, because all your cousins are there and all that sort of thing, too. Mm. I don't know about you, but in Queensland particularly as well, it was like, oh, someone's got a pool, let's all go swimming now. And it's like, no, you have to wait, because you'll have a... What is it? You'll have a cramp and you'll drown. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. You have to wait right. before finishing your meal. And you're just sitting there looking at the pool like, yeah. let me dive in there. Let the fun continue. Well, and I, I think that's a, another one of those urban myths too. I don't think that's necessarily been proven. Um, oh, wow. One of, one of my biggest theories for that one is because when you're in the pool, parents have to watch you. But after a meal, parents go into food coma. And so they're just oh, like, I'm not really? going to watch little Jimmy in the pool. No, you can't swim for for two hours after eating. You can't swim because I'm I'm taking him now. Well, yeah. in some ways, it's responsible parenting. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's so funny. It's but like, yeah. oh no, it's because um, uh, you might get a cramp. Exactly. And, and you know, it's not exactly. because I want to have night night time. Yeah. Yeah. So look, that's another thing. If you want to, to avoid a food coma, then don't eat as much so you can go swimming more. Right. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, well, yeah. That, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, don't overeat was tip number one. Balance your meal is mm-hmm. tip number two for uh, not getting sleepy, uh, which is looking at the protein-carbohydrate ratio. So you want to have a one to two proportion of protein to carbs, um, and also looking at plant-based or marine-based fats rather than animal-based fats. So having marine-based? some fish. No, I know. That just sounds so funny because when you say marine, I don't think of like eating seafood or anything. I just think of boats. <laughs> yeah, so so have, have some your salad with your boat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and yeah, spread out the food groups too is the other big part. You know, your veggies, your fruit, your Eat grains, the whole your dairy. Yeah, totally. 
Which pyramid, though? The recently, the newly uh, constructed pyramid or the old pyramid? Uh, either is fine mm. with me. I, I honestly don't know. Um, I think as long as you're spreading out your meals, though, you know, you're having a good, decent amount of veggies, decent bit of salad, your meat and your carbs, you'll be right. But everybody just brings a salad to one of those things because they should, not because anybody wants it there. Mm. I mean, come on. You don't it's make true. friends with salad. <laughs> It's true, it is. Um, everyone's there for the meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the other, the, the one tip you could take on board um, to to help is uh, being uh, moderately active after eating. What? Yeah, I know. Come on. I know. But what I mean, is moderately, though? Does that mean getting up to get another serving? <laughs> the, I, I'm not sure what moderately means. Um, apparently, the the French like to go for a brisk walk. After they've eaten their meal at Christmas time, really? um, that's a thing. Um, to be honest, I'm thinking it might just create a restructure of the day, and the the family cricket match happens after the meal mm. rather than before. Because more often than not, it is before the meal, and then you eat, and then you collapse. Yes, um, but maybe if you reversed it round, so you ate and then play cricket, no one would go to sleep. Yeah, everyone would be sick. Yeah, but in reality, we're talking as though this is a problem. Oh, that yes, we fall asleep true. into a food coma. Yes. And is it? No. No. I'm quite happy having a little nap after Well, I wish turkey. that we could bring siestas in on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. That'd be a very nice thing. Hmm. Anyway, we might... Uh, well, we should, probably shouldn't have a little nap now. Um, but <laughs> maybe we should have a little bit of music uh, to take us through before we make our way from food comas into hangovers. The time is 11.32 and you're listening to Fuzzy Logic right here on 98.3 FM 2XX Community Radio. Broderick here with Phoebe in the studio. And before we went to Sunday Best there from Megan Washington, we were talking about food comas and how they happen and the various mix of different things. And uh, one of the things that we're talking about was tryptophan levels, which is a, a chemical that when consumed with a uh, high-carb meal, uh, can uh, be converted into your brain and become serotonin, which is a chemical for calmness and uh, drowsiness. Just generally like... "Mm." Mm, Make you a bit soporific. Mm. Uh, (laughs) So we were were discussing, and I hadn't done my research, as to which foods are high in tryptophan. Um, We talked about meats, cottage cheese, um, and tofu. But and some weird twisted combination of all of them. That's right, that's right. But we didn't have the exact levels. Well, I've now found uh, the, a table full of tryptophan levels in different foods. Oh, I um, thought you meant you just found like, oh, tables are high in tryptophan. Tables, yes, eating <laughs> a table. Don't eat lumber and other furnished goods. Yeah. Well, one of the highest foods that we found uh, was high in tryptophan was sea lion. Um, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> sea lion? As in, like, like a... A, an like actual a sea lion, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. This is going back to that marine thing again. Yeah. What? So, so I went off that website and I found another one with more common foods. <laughs> <laughs> who eats sea lion? The Eskimos. I, I don't know. Like, I assume people who live around sea lions in. I just didn't um, know that was a commonly eaten. No, to be food. honest, neither did I. Um, but like, I, if it had said whale or something, I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. People, some people eat whales, I suppose, but, yeah. but sea lions? I, I suppose potentially if you live in an icy area where there are sea lions and not many other um, uh, creatures with lots of meat, then... That's true. But where that, are they getting their carbs from? Uh, that's a good question. Exactly. Boom! Boom, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Maybe they're making burgers with just sea lion patty and then snow for the bun. <laughs> That would be not cars, but I, I don't know what else is there. <laughs> All right, let's get back to some other food that uh, has a lot of tryptophan. Um, so the the highest on this other list was uh, egg whites, which has a gram of tryptophan per hundred grams of food. Wow! Um, but talking about dried egg whites here, um, so wait, not, what? Not dried egg whites? Dried egg white. So I assume what? that's yeah. I don't... Who eats dried egg whites and why? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Are Maybe... they more potent because they're dried? 
Well, I mean, potentially it is a high source of protein too. So 81 grams of protein per 100 grams of egg white. Oh, I see. Uh, so I assume it's probably got some sort of oh. uh, bodybuilding type application oh, there. Oh, yeah, okay, right. Yeah. But, well, that goes against bodybuilders. Like, yeah, I'm going to have soup, I'm going to smash it in the gym. Well, but if you're avoiding the carbs... The tryptophan's not going to be converted, and so it's not going to make you sleepy. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah. The pro- oh, <laughs> it's all making sense. Science. <laughs> yeah. And then um, the other ones up there with egg whites are dried spirulina, which is that horrible green stuff you get in, in like in, health in, drinks. In herbal juices. Yeah. And that sort of thing. Uh, Atlantic cod is up there with 0.7 grams of tryptophan per 100 grams of food. Mm. Um, Parmesan cheese has about uh, half a gram of. Uh, tryptophan maybe that's why i get sleepy after like when you have italian food because it's well, often covered in parmesan cheese well and cheddar cheese too that's up there with 0.3 grams per hundred hot dogs hot oh man dogs. i am breaking this down yeah well then the the interesting thing is all the meats are pretty similar mm. all the main meats are pretty similar in their levels of tryptophan turkey chicken 0.24 grams per hundred beef is 0.23 salmon 0.22 lamb 0.21 so you can see that, and the other one in here, which I skipped over, is soybeans, of course, which makes up tofu, but that's about double the level of tryptophan at 0.6 grams wow. per 100 grams. So, so it's not necessarily a meat thing at all. No, no, but I think in terms of things that we uh, commonly eat in large quantities, the mm. meat's probably one of the higher, higher... Um, and we usually team it with carbs as well. Yeah, that's right. But then if you go down to a banana which was the other thing we were talking about, mm. that's got 0.01 grams of tryptophan per 100 grams of banana, which is uh, about 20 times less than meat. Those oh, sorts okay. of things. So, so you've got to eat a lot of bananas. That's right. <laughs> so you can still have your banana sandwich and be fine. Uh, Do you eat banana sandwiches? Doesn't everyone eat banana sandwiches? No. Oh. You don't. Really? Yeah, they're great. Just like just bread and banana. That's bread, it. butter, banana. Butter? Yeah. Not anything. Like, I thought you were supposed to put peanut butter or something with it. No, no, no. no. I just eat normal bread No, no. Not normal. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. The secrets are coming out. There we go. I thought this was a normal... My mum fed them to me all the time. I loved them. Wow. Maybe I'll have to try it. I won't try. It's good with fresh bread. Really good. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on from food now. We've made our way through the food coma to alcohol and the hangover. Oh yeah, That's oy, the oy. other side of things. You know, you eat too much, you drink too much. Uh-huh. Uh, but we didn't eat too much. We've just learned. We moderated. And exactly. And we balanced the food pyramid. And yeah. here we are. We've drunk too much. Yeah, exactly. I feel like the solution to drinking too much is also going to be moderation and... Spoiler variation. alert. Wow. But look, look, I don't know. Let's, let's see how we go when we get to the end of this. You don't uh, have any huge scientific bombshells you can drop about... <laughs> preventing or assisting and curing a hangover? Well, look, bombshell number one I'm going to drop is there is actually an alcohol hangover research group. Really? Yeah, yeah. Which, I I mean, it's interesting because alcohol is, um, you know, something that's been consumed for thousands of years by humans. Mm. Um, We've been fermenting stuff. There's there's great pictures of... um, the ancient Mesopotamians and... Oh, no, sorry, right back to the ancient Egyptians brewing beer mm. and the, those sorts of things. So we've known about alcohol for ages. Um, and scientists have done a fair bit of research on alcohol, but they're still unsure, really, about the, the mechanisms of what's going on. Um, but hangovers, there's been even less research on that. Uh, now, wow, these things are dating back so far. I love it. It's sort of like, you know, life's great mysteries... Why are we here? What do we do? What is life? What's the deal with alcohol? We still don't know that either. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's it's something that we consume a lot of, uh, and hangovers for sure are a big part of. Hand um, in hand. Exa- yeah. That's right. And, and if not drinking responsibly, I'll well, just say. That's right. And potentially that's why there's not much research. People feel it's a just punishment for drinking too much is, mm. is having a hangover. And, look, I think sometimes it, it is good that our body gives us signals that we need to do things in moderation. Well, that's right. Pain um, is an indicator that something's not right. Exactly. So the hangover just much. comes a bit too far afterwards to prevent it happening in the first place. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to guess that this research facility with all these scientists is just a bunch of people in white coats crashing into stuff and getting really, 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 really intoxicated on a day-to-day basis. Am I correct? 
well, look, there is a bit of drinking involved, um, and I'll, I'll get to that in a moment when we talk about some of the research they've done into preventing hangovers and, and what's going on there. Um, but some of the things that they've disproven mm. in, in this research group is really interesting. Um, so what, what do you think causes a hangover? I mean, apart from too much alcohol, what are some of the things about having too much alcohol that makes you get hungover? Oh, I, well... I thought it was like being dehydrated and... Um, mm. Dehydrated was yeah, number one yeah, on my list yeah. too, totally. Um, but uh, so alcohol does suppress um, the antidiuretic hormone vasopressin, which normally keeps you from peeing too much. So that's why you pee a bit more when you're drinking. Um, oh, wow. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. I just assumed because you, was, you, because you were drinking more liquid. That's a part of it, definitely. Oh. But uh, but I mean, it'd be interesting to actually try to drink the same amount of alcohol versus water in a day exactly. and see how much you pee. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that 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 hormone is suppressed, which means you pee a bit more. Um, also, if you're drinking alcohol, you're probably not drinking water. Uh, but the interesting thing was uh, when they studied people with hangovers and looked at dehydrated people, their levels of electrolytes didn't differ too much from the normal. Uh, and when they did, they didn't actually correlate with hangover severity. Oh. So we're talking electrolytes, those salts and sorts of things that uh, are naturally in your system. You can replenish them with Powerade and those sorts of drinks or just <laughs> by eating normally. Um, but, uh, yeah, not necessarily corresponding with hangover severity, not necessarily corresponding with hangovers. Well, that's the thing. I would usually say, you know, if you drink a Gatorade or something... Gatorade, Gatorade, uh, the, after a big night, that would help. But, totally, totally. No. And, and th there's lots of things. And I think in some ways uh, people have their own little cures and they're all probably work for them. But in mm. sometimes I think... Do you it, have a little home cure that you do? Uh, no. I, I Is it banana sandwiches? <laughs> banana sandwiches. <laughs> no, I try, I try something different almost every time, I think. Uh, oh, okay. So like the scientists, you still haven't got it down either. No, no. And I, but I think in reality, um, as we might reveal later on, it's all dependent on how much alcohol I actually drink rather than what mm. I do around it. Um, another thing that, that some scientists have thought was the case was uh, a toxic byproduct of the ethanol, the alcohol that we drink in our body, which is acetal acetaldehyde, um, which is produced uh, as we break down the, the ethanol alcohol in our body. But again, turns out that hangover symptoms are at their worst when the levels of acetaldehyde are low, not high. Oh. So How does it, that happen? That they get low? Uh, it, it, it naturally broken down in our body. So our body's oh. really good at dealing with toxic products and that sort of thing with the kidneys. Um, and so just processing the acetaldehyde in there. Um, but yeah, hangover uh, is worse when those levels are low. So it's not that. Um, low blood sugar is another thought um, when you, you drink too much. Uh, again, not just dehydration, but glucose levels in there. And the body compensates by looking for other sources of energy, which can cause hangover-like symptoms. Uh, but if low blood sugar was the problem, then if you gave people some you know, glucose or fructose, give them a bit of sugar, that should perk them up. But it's not helping. Wow, if, so if they have... know a whole bunch of things that it's not, but they don't know what it is? That's right. What well, have they got left? They're slowly getting there. They um, have to start again because they keep getting drunk in the office and smashing all their right. files. <laughs> well, one of the things they have shown is that if your blood alcohol concentration goes above 0.1%, so we're talking here, so when you drink drive, the... the... No, not when you drink drive. When, sorry. When they talk about drink driving, the, the, Which is wrong. the level is set at 0.05. So it's a blood alcohol concentration of 0.05%. Um, and that's when it's deemed that we are drunk and incapable to operate uh, vehicles and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, so, and that's what, the one drink per hour type situation. Um, if you double your alcohol levels, um, and uh, to be honest, I'm not sure whether that corresponds to two drinks an hour or whether it's just a bit more drinking, but if you double what's deemed to be drunk at 0.1%, uh, then that's about the level when you're going to have some symptoms of a hangover the next day. Wow, it doesn't take much. No, no, it doesn't wow. take that much. Um, I heard that it gets worse with age as well. I mean, I... And... I, I'd heard, I mean, when I, 
turned 18 and sort of started trying alcohol and that sort of thing. I remember sort of being like, oh, wow, I don't get hangovers at all. Like, look at me, I'm a superman or whatever. <laughs> but now, oh my gosh, it's getting to the point where I don't even think it's worth it anymore. Is that yeah. is that a factor? Like, is age a factor as well? How, uh, in I terms haven't... of how your body can manage those toxins? Or is that, again, coming back to how much you actually drink? I, to be honest, I haven't found that in the research. Um, I know some of the the factors in terms of whether you get a hangover or not um, have uh, changed. And one of the interesting things that was found um, was that people who said they don't get hangovers mm. generally actually think they drink more than they do. So, so they're saying, oh no, I don't get a hangover, but then they're also thinking they're having much more alcohol than they really are, so, which is possibly why they're not getting a hangover. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe it's... as a teen, I was all boasting about it. <laughs> That's right. But was actually just sort but... of sipping a soda water the whole time. <laughs> oh yeah. It took you an hour to drink that vodka cruiser. Oh, yeah. burn. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, that's, that's an interesting side note there that, um, that potentially when someone says they don't get hangovers, they're probably just not drinking that much mm. um, or as much as they're they smart. think they are. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, what else do we say? So we said 0.1% uh, alcohol and you'll probably be hungover. And the symptoms are actually going to peak about 12 to 14 hours later. Wow, that seems when very you're delayed. Well, yeah, when your blood alcohol concentration is back at or near zero. Wow. Yes. So that's the peak of the symptoms. It doesn't mean you won't start the symptoms earlier than that, but uh, oh, that's okay. when the peak's going to happen. Is that why some people say that their cure, which I don't think is uh, very good, is that sort of hair of the dog thing, you know, where you just sort of keep drinking forever? That's, and that, that's right. That's keeping the blood alcohol concentration above zero. So potentially that could be a cure, but in reality, you're just not delaying a cure. The, yeah, you're not delaying a cure, the you're inevitable. Just delaying. <laughs> yeah. But. Um, yeah, but that's also why, for example, sometimes if you just stop drinking earlier in the night, mm. uh, you can wake up with less of a hangover because you started your body processing that alcohol already oh, wow. by stopping okay. drinking. Um, because, of course, it's always processing the alcohol as you're going through. Um, but if you stop drinking, it's got more of a chance to catch up yeah. <laughs> rather than just running on the spot. Um, the other side of things is also what you drink, too. Um, there's some truth to the notion that vodka gives you less of a hangover than red wine or whiskey. Uh, so they did a comparison of people who drank enough bourbon or vodka to get between 0.1 and 0.15% blood alcohol concentration, uh, which is super drunk, according to the uh, scientific paper. Um, <laughs> super drunk is a super category. Drunk is a category. <laughs> and As displayed by dancing on tables and singing off. Singing off tune. The, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely uh, part of the symptoms there. Um, and it was shown that both uh, the vodka and the bourbon drinkers got hangovers, but the bourbon drinkers reported theirs as significantly worse. Mm. Yeah, so interesting there. But the cause of hangovers, we still haven't got there. Oh, sorry. Um, that's all right. <laughs> I think it's drinking too much. Yeah, well, it, it is, it is. But one of the most promising uh, theories that this research group has come up with is uh, looking at a chemical that gives an inflammatory response in our body, just like when we get an infection or something the like itis. that. itis. The other itis, not not the itis, but maybe an itis. Um, but yeah, it's looking at a chemical called cytokine, um, which are a type of uh, molecule that are used as communication signals by the immune system. Um, so you can see already how uh, when we get an inflammation, that's our immune system going, hey, something's wrong here. Um, and so anti-inflammatories are generally what keeps that down um and it's found that uh, cytokines um uh are in elevated numbers when you have a hangover and in fact they've uh, the researchers I, I don't know why you'd volunteer for this research but the researchers have injected cytokines into healthy subjects mm, and that doesn't sound fun that's right they found that they had hangover like symptoms including nausea headache chills fatigue um and even more interesting, it, it just keeps all making sense here, uh, higher than normal cytokine levels also interfere with memory formation. There you go. Yeah. How is this not... How are they not cracked it then? This sounds 
pretty firm to me. I, it, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, so they're still doing more research, but if it's correct that cytokines are the key to hangovers, then potentially treatment for a hangover could just be uh, an anti-inflammatory. A couple of ibuprofen before you go to bed after a big night out, and maybe that'll stop the hangover. Oh, wow. So that's not my next... proven, though. Not, not proven, proven, everybody. Not, not Don't proven. try this. Um, but, but that's so interesting that, you know, we were saying before about how a hangover is nature's punishment for drinking too much and that sort of thing. It's clear that alcohol is not... I don't know. It's not the greatest thing that we should be uh, drinking if our body reacts to it like it's an anitis. Well, that's that's true. That's true. I mean, and, but it's it's also looking at it in excess as well. Um, right. Again, uh, we're looking at the, you know getting over that point one percent level um, and. Uh, just seeing how that changes things there. So if we're keeping it below excess, then you're probably going to be okay. Mm. Um, but it is interesting because one of the, the another research group has looked at, um, well, we don't actually know really what causes a hangover, what process is going through in our body. So maybe if we created a form of alcohol where, or a chemical rather, that has the same effects as alcohol, but we... We know how to stop the side effects of that immediately. That might be a better way to get drunk. Except that you're not going to get the experience. Well, you you are because they, they, so this research group um, from uh, Great Britain have developed something called synthahol. That and sounds terrible. It does. That's a terrible name. It does, and so they found. Um, some receptors in the brain that seem to be uh, awakened uh, when we're drinking, and they've created this synthahol that creates that same sort of uh, receptor action, which gives you that same sort of alcohol drunk feeling. Mm. And when they developed it, they also developed uh, an antidote. And so one of the, the candidates, they've only tried this on less than... Um, uh, on a few different people. But when they explored one possible compound, they had synthahol. Um, so the person was quite relaxed, sleepily inebriated for about an hour or so. And then they took the antidote. And within minutes of taking the antidote, the person was up giving a lecture with uh, no impairment whatsoever. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of a, a crazy sort of instant change um and the reason we can do that is because it's a created drug so we know exactly uh what's going on there in terms of uh what's being changed uh yeah oh i suppose so but i mean that would i fear that that would make you know uh, experienced winemakers and beer crafters and that sort of shake in their boots like but but we spend so long crafting the taste and you know that sort of thing not necessarily for people to drink it to excess but to enjoy and experience that's the right taste. totally so... totally and i think i think this is one um you know sometimes i think chemical uh creations are quite interesting and they can be good but i think this is one place where we are taking it a bit too far um mm. you know because the the rich history of alcohols um as i said coming from the ancient egyptians brewing beer mm. um you know the bell the Belgians, you know how they have all their fruit and cherry beers? Um, mm. That came from their way of preserving fruit. Um, wow. So people could still get the nutrients of the fruit uh, much later once the season had already passed for those fruits. Oh, well, um, that's nice. Yeah, that's right. So there's, <laughs> there's lots of different interesting side uh, points from alcohol. And with our culture the way it is developed around it, uh, sure, uh, we could develop synthetic alcohols and that sort of thing, but it, it's just not quite the same. Well, that to me is sort of like, oh, well, you know, people get food coma so much, let's make synthetic food that just meets all your basic needs and is, you know, then you don't get food comas, then you don't get any of that, I mean. Well, you, you do know that's a thing, don't you? No, it's not. Yeah, so someone's developed, they call it Soylent. Um, Soylent Green? <laughs> not Soylent Green, just um, Soylent. Uh, and they basically went through a diet list and worked out the levels of fats, sugars, carbs, vitamins, and other chemicals that a human needs in their daily diet and sourced all those chemicals and put them in a powdered form. Wow. Yeah. Is that being... I mean, 
They're, they're, Are people uh, using it? They're only shipping in the US at this stage. They're not going internationally. Um, but it's been a really interesting experiment. According to the guy who developed it, he kept a blog before he went commercial, although, you know, potentially always had plans to go commercial. But before he went commercial, he kept a blog of his health levels while he started it. And so he sort of started as a um, moderately... Well, a reasonably normal person, not healthy, not unhealthy, just, you know, pretty normal, uh, but then started exercising a, a bit more and taking soylent rather than food and found that his um, his weight levels decreased, his muscle tone increased, uh, he was able to get become much fitter and healthier thanks to this soylent. I guess that, well, that comes back to what does it actually taste like, though? Well, he says it tastes kind of like a a, a sweet, uh, milky-type flavour. Is he hungry all the time, though? Is it because everything's being met, he's, he's not? Be- that's right. It's the latter, because wow. he, he thought he'd feel hungry. But because his, his uh, nutrition needs are being met, he, he doesn't feel hungry. Um, but, you know, in reality, again, you could do that. Or you could just enjoy food and the many different things that are on yes. offer. Yes. Yeah. I'd rather do that. Mm. All right. The, <laughs> to change the topic I'm, I'm completely. Just Christmas but, food. Yeah. Well, we're talking of food. One hangover cure that has been discovered by Australian scientists that's out there. And I tempted you with this earlier in the week, Phoebe. Oh, yes! You've been withholding this for me for a whole week. I I cannot wait to learn this, people. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. There's there's a fruit uh, that the CSIRO have stumbled across that seems to cure hangovers. And uh, it's a fruit that we've probably had uh, many times before, and that is (gasps) pears. Pears? Yeah, pears. So pears have previously been shown that they can lower cholesterol, relieve constipation, and have anti-inflammatory effects. Hey, anti-inflammatory. Oh, my gosh. We are through the looking glass. That's right. But recently they found that the pear appears to ward off hangovers and at the same time lower blood alcohol levels. Uh, now, what they've found so far is they're using a specific type of pear, which is uh, Korean pears, mm-hmm. uh, and they're using the juice. And what they've found is that this Korean pear juice acts on the key enzymes involved in alcohol metabolism, which are alcohol dehydrogenase and aldehyde dehydrogenase. So that's what gets rid of the alcohol dehydrogenase is what processes the ethanol, which is the alcohol in our system. And the aldehyde dehydrogenase is what processes the acetaldehyde which is that other chemical we were talking about before. Wow. Um, so, wait, does this mean if you're eating a pear while you're drinking, you just won't get as drunk, therefore you won't get as hungover? Is that what it means? Or like, uh, do you eat the pear before you drink or after? Or If you drink the pear juice uh, before you drink, um, then that'll just start processing that alcohol more quickly yeah. and uh, also potentially have that anti-inflammatory effect too. Um, to get the effect, according to the researchers, you need to drink 220 mils of Korean pear juice, uh, and um, yeah, and it will reduce your hangover severity, uh, as measured by a 14-item hangover symptom scale. Wow! I know. I, I've been trying to find this 14-item hangover symptom scale. <laughs> I haven't been able to find it, but I, I'm I want really the top t- one to be my head has exploded. Well, that's. I feel like that would be it. Um, so look, it's. I, I, I wonder if that comes back to like an old wives' tale, like, oh, you know, my grandma always said, drink a glass of pear juice before, and then you'll be fine. You're like, oh, grandma. Wait, she's right. Whoa. Maybe, maybe. Now, the evidence shows that you have to consume the pears before drinking. Uh, if you dr- drink, if you have the pear juice afterwards doesn't help so it's before you go out to drink korean pear juice um but i must stress this is only a preliminary study um the results are still to be finalized but uh wow interesting little thing from australia here is that pear juice is the way to go if you haven't had your pear juice another thing that's now in australia i was reading is that in sydney there is a hangover center (laughs) no yep you can go there and you get hooked up to an intravenous drip by a fully qualified registered doctor. And uh, in that you get... 
They inject you with a treatment package that pumps saline, sodium, minerals, vitamins, oxygen, and anti-nausea medication into your blood. So there you go. That's in, that's in Sydney. That's an actual thing. I feel like if you're well enough to get to the hangover clinic on your own, you don't need it. Absolutely. I mean, they need to do house calls. That's right. House calls, I'd be totally up for that. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You're right. You know, it's not like you're going to drive to this centre. Do not do that. No, no, no. Especially, yeah, if you're still up in that blood alcohol region of 0.1. No. Absolutely. And, and this says, uh, well... <laughs> It costs between 140 to $200 to get this treatment. And again, you're right. If you can stumble your way there, you're probably going to be okay. That's right. I feel like you just get some greasy takeaway food. See, I can't do that. <laughs> I know that's a really common thing that, you know, yeah. I can't do that. Uh, I have to have, like, dry toast or else I just feel very, very unwell. Uh, interesting, interesting stuff. So there stuff. you go. You can, you can go to Sydney and, and go to this place. Apparently there's one in uh, New York and... Other places, so there you go. There you go. Or well, it says later in the article, you can tuck into a bacon sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my preferred option for sure. Mm. Sure, but it'll make you sleepy though. Oh, oh. circle. <laughs> well, I think that's a good point for us to wrap up today. <laughs> Food comas and hangovers. We've covered it all pretty well, and. Uh, Enjoy your silly season, everyone. Yeah. In moderation, again. In moderation, that's right. Look, the only way to stop these things is to not consume as much food, to not drink as much alcohol. So, you know, it's up to you guys. If you want to have some fun, go for it. And, uh, you know, you'll just uh, <laughs> have to cop it the next day. Exactly. Uh, dear. But that just about wraps it up for us. Um, this is Phoebe and my last show for 2015. We'll so see you next year. Merry we Christmas. will. We'll be back. Uh, I hope you enjoy your Christmas. But Fuzzy will be broadcasting right through um, the new year. Uh, Rod's, uh, is it Rod or Eamon next week? One of the guys is going to be in to talk to you in the studio. And uh, they're going to be talking about some more science to keep you through and take you through to the new year. Uh, don't forget, you can catch Fuzzy in a lot of different places. Uh, we've got our Ask Fuzzy column out this week, which is asking the question, what is the most aerodynamic shape? Ooh. What do you think, Phoebe? Circle? Like so, a frisbee? I don't know. Oh, like a flat disc? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to read the article to find out. I will. <laughs> this is like the pear thing all over again. That's right. And uh, if you want to keep in touch with us, make sure you check out our Facebook page. Type in Fuzzy Logic into Facebook and like us there, or you can download our podcast as well. Just search for us on iTunes or head to fuzzylogic on 2xx.podbean.com and you can download us from there. But I think it's time to wrap it up now. So thank you very much for joining me in the studio, Phoebe. Thank you. Hope you have a Merry Christmas. You too. Uh, thank you. And I hope you have a Merry Christmas, listeners. And uh, all the best for the new year. And thanks for joining us once again for your Hour of Science on a Sunday right here on Fuzzy Logic. Bye.